This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia and welcome into episode 124 of Half Measures Podcast. As advertised this week, we're talking about the finale of Stranger Things, we're talking about season three of the Umbrella Academy, and we're talking about Spiderhead. Me and Mr. Daniel Whiting King. Kia ora, Dan. Kia ora, Paul. It's uh, another busy week of joint watches. It is. And, you know, last week was a, an emotional sort of uh, joint watches and joint reads. This week is a different vibe. I'm looking forward to discussing what we've got on our menu today. A lot of um, a, a real vibe, isn't it? Almost a bit of a theme to this week's this week's watches. But um, yeah, it's go, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good discussion. I'm sure some controversial things. I'm I'm really interested to see whether our our views are in alignment this week. Indeed, and just uh, for the full peek behind the curtain. This is recording one of this particular episode, so if you're listening to this, things went better than last week. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's last week was it's really scarred me, Paul. Like <laughs> I really, um, I haven't emotionally recovered from it, but I, I'm glad that we're we're back in action. This indeed, week. we are. Dan, what have you been watching this week? Well, I've only actually got one thing to talk to you about outside of our, our joint watches. And this is a, a movie that I watched on Netflix. And the way I came across this movie was really random. I was uh, scrolling TikTok looking for um, funny memes to send you as, you, I, as you do. And someone just was talking about like great movies on Netflix. And a movie they recommended was one called Calibre, which came out in 2018. It's sort of a thriller um drama thriller mystery sort of movie and i was thinking you know what i don't really have time to fit in a lot of new content with all of our joint mm. watches maybe i'll try and sneak in a movie and look i don't know why i did because i've never seen this person on tiktok before i know nothing about them i don't know why i put so much weight in their recommendation but i i, I jumped on this movie so the basic premise kind of is it's kind of it feels a little bit kind of low budget, but it's basically about these two guys that go away on a, a hunting trip, and it's kind of one of the guys is about to have a have his first child with his wife, and he kind of doesn't want to go hunting, but they kind of do it just for sort of one last hurrah, and they go off into the it's um into the, the countryside, I guess, and they're staying in sort of a, a small English town. They go out for sort of drinks that night. Things get a bit raucous. Next day, they eventually get themselves together and they go out hunting. And I'm going to completely ruin the movie, mostly, for anyone who hasn't seen it. But I, you know what? I'm probably, what I'm giving you is probably enough if you haven't seen it. Um, they, they go on the hunting trip. They're hunting, hunting deer. And one of the guys accidentally shoots um, a, a kid while they're on this hunting trip. And he's he's looking down the sights, he sees a deer, and then kind of the camera flashes, and it's actually a child he's looking at as opposed to the deer. He shoots the he shoots the kid, and then it all kind of goes downhill from there. They both go up and they're like, Oh my god, what's just happened? They they kind of panic. And then the kid's dad turns up and the other the other hunter freaks out and shoots the dad as well. Oh, so wow. now now they've got two dead bodies, so things are like really quickly kind of 
escalating and they both kind of panic and they they decide to bury the the dad and the and the child in the woods and rather than just kind of like bailing straight away they go back to the town that they're staying in to kind of like you know everyone kind of knew they were going hunting to be like oh have a dinner and kind of people would ask them how was the hunt oh not very successful for us because they were trying to sort of like play it off like nothing happened and basically as kind of the events in the movie go on people realize actually this this father and son haven't returned from hunting um they end up getting these these two hunters that committed the crime end up getting involved in a bit of a, a search and rescue operation bodies get found these guys kind of get like interrogated by members of the town about were you involved in it did you kind of kill these people so in that sense it's kind of the the thriller mystery type of type of thing it, it was okay i've kind of given you the the real crux of the movie anyway and you'll probably get a sense from that whether whether it's for you or not and it's it is really about i guess the the tension between what they've done how they're trying to get away with it how they're kind of they're not really bad people but they've done a terrible thing and they haven't dealt with it really well and it's yeah, it's I feel like it's probably the type of movie you might have seen before. Like it feels like a, a familiar concept. As I move into retirement age, Dan, this feels more and more like my kind of thing, you know, that sort of crime drama, mystery thriller, who done it. There's a bit of a you know, that all of the things there there's a lot of things that appeal to me. I could see myself definitely sitting down and watching this. Hour forty one, nice runtime. Um I know very little about the guy who wrote and directed it um i noticed that everything he's directed he's also written so he's got a you know he's obviously that's his that's his thing and i respect that i've seen this movie come up on netflix suggestions as well um i would definitely give it a look and i know you know most of the cast jack loden i, I know from from dunkirk i know matt mccann from marcella and tony curran from the missing which i really enjoyed the missing which is a similar sort of uh bit of a similar story to what you're talking about so there's a lot of things that appeal to me here yeah look it's by no means a, a bad movie but it's it's definitely not a a fantastic movie either 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 right so like probably on a if we were sort of guns akimbo in it it might get maybe a a two and a okay. half maybe a maybe a cheeky three if you were feeling really generous but it's it's not it's not IMDb's rating, I think, is about a 6.8, and that, that probably feels about right for this movie. So a little bit of mystery there if you want it. As you say, cast is, cast is pretty good, acting's good, story's sort of interesting, um, but yeah, just something different on the old Netflix. Very good. Added to watch list. And that is me this week, apart from our, our joint watches. How about yourself? So, yeah, for me, uh, and I was kind of, halfway through it last week so i sort of finished the second half of it this week i've carried on where i was in doctor who world i have watched series seven of uh of doctor who and so this is matt smith's final run in the tardis um and we also wind up his his companions in fact they finished their their run in the tardis uh, a little bit earlier so that's a Karen, Karen Gillam and Arthur Devil, um, they exit and we have Jenna Coleman coming in as the new companion and in the final episode uh, we have the, uh, yeah, we have Peter Capaldi uh, coming in and he'll be uh, getting set up for, for season eight. This series seven, um, so this is, you know, we're going back a while, this is 2012, 2013, so, you know, there's no need to worry about spoilers here. 
this was again right up there with series six which i talked about a couple of weeks ago it really solidifies my my argument that with myself that matt that matt smith is the is the second best doctor ever for me i find his his dialogue the lines he gets given is is so good but his delivery of them i put it on a par with the way i enjoy the way benedict Cumberbatch delivers Sherlock lines and there's something really special about that and that's a show that makes it into my top 10 of all time alongside Doctor Who as well um so yeah this was this was really really good and there's a few bonus extras as well which I'll talk about in a while but um no I had a great time watching this really enjoying this run of Doctor Who and is your your daughter still watching along with you now and then um not not all the time, and that's not her fault because, you know, if I'm on the train, I'm also watching on the train. Um, but if she's in the room, she's still she's still interested. She's all, she's always fascinated by what are they doing, where are they going, and who's that, and is he dying? You know, she's just fascinated by it. But it's um, there's some really nice things that they do in this, in this series, and there are some specials as well, which technically aren't part of Series 7, just before I get anyone correcting me on what I'm talking about here. It's, it's within that sort of time frame, though, and... Uh, so back in the 90s, so when Doctor Who went off the air after, you know, it ran from like 63 to 89, it went off the air. They did a one-off movie um, with Paul McGann as, as the eighth Doctor. And it never really went further than that until 2005 when Christopher Eccleston came in and did the new run. And so what they do within this, we never got to see how the eighth Doctor became Christopher Eccleston's Doctor, the ninth Doctor. We never had that regeneration. And what they did was... They inserted a whole new doctor between them, um, played by John Hurt, who is just you know an incredible actor with just a, a marvelous voice, and he played the the doctor in the in the form of the War Doctor, and there's this whole story around this. So, so he has the shortest run of any doctor in the history of Doctor Who, and in fact, he doesn't even get a number per se because he is the War Doctor who played a specific role. But he's he's really really good in in that. So it's really nice to see Paul McGann have his sort of proper exit after just getting you know a one shot as it were. And John Hurt is so good opposite Matt Smith. But not just Matt Smith. We also get David Tennant. He returns as the tenth Doctor as well. And this is all part of the fiftieth anniversary special. And having the three of them together on screen, some of the writing I. I just I just cannot rate it. I would go on the record and say that when the tenth doctor and the eleventh doctor start calling each other's names and, and pointing out each other's faults and criticizing their fashion choices or hairstyles or for me, those scenes when the doctor's having a go at the doctor, I put it up there in terms of sci-fi as good as when you and I were watching Vader and old Ben talking Obi-Wan or when Picard and Kirk meet each other in Star Trek. Um, it's right up there. It's it's absolutely top notch. That's awesome. And have you got sort of a? Because I guess for me, like Doctor Who is just as much of, about sort of the the wonderful villains and and bad guys as what sort of season seven are we talking Daleks? Are we talking Cybermen? What 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 sort of our, our main? Our, yeah, you're, you're ticking all the right boxes there. I mean, just even. <laughs> Some of the um, the titles, dinosaurs on a spaceship, um, just the the episode titles, just the story titles, just just pull you in straight away. So yes, you're right, Doctor, with the Daleks 
with the Cybermen. Um, a lot of it is with the um, the, the, the well, I'm going to get this wrong, so I'll, I'll be broad. But what happened to Gallifrey and why the Doctor is supposedly the last time Lord or alongside the Master? I think I'm going to stop there because I'll get it all wrong. And so, from your viewpoint, if you so with Doctor Who, could you just jump in with this Doctor is of interest to me, and I can just jump in on that season, or do you kind of need to sort of go modern Who all the way through? Or? I I would say myself, I would say I think you could jump in just about anywhere. I would always say jump in at the start of a Doctor that appeals to you. So um, you know, so Matt Smith's run, he starts uh, it's it's series five. And so, you know, maybe maybe start there and do a five, six, seven, which is for me th- these three series that I watched and five I watched before we even started this podcast. Down, that's how long Doctor Who's been off the air here. So it's taken a long time for me to catch up. Six and seven uh, amongst the very best Doctor Who I've ever watched. Um, so I think you could easily jump into Matt Smith, and you could jump in anywhere, but I'd probably say jump in at five. It's on. We've actually got on Prime Video, so they've got series five through to ten currently available to watch on on Prime Video. Actually, it scared the hell out of me early in the week because you know when you go into Prime over here, if you're watching a show, if it's about to leave, it will say leaving Prime in seven days, and they had that up for Doctor Who, and I was like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to have to take annual leave and just watch the whole lot. What am I going to do? And then that message disappeared. So I don't know if it was a mistake or if if it is disappearing. I just don't know. But um, yeah. You've um you've brought back my PTSD of when I had to watch like six seasons the Shield, of the Shield that's right. in like in like ten days yeah. or something because it's yeah. a really this is a really just a really unnerving feeling knowing that it's going away and thinking well you know I don't really watch I have DVDs but I don't want to buy it you know I've I've paid for the subscription I want to be able to watch it you know why why can't you keep it so um the other thing I wanted to quickly mention because again it's part of the fiftieth anniversary special um. In that episode with, with with John Hurt and David Tennant and Matt Smith, just as you get to the end of the episode, and Matt Smith sitting down in a in an art gallery, and he's sort of saying, "Oh, I could, I could stay here. I, you know, I could retire here and become the creator of this place." Out of nowhere, you just hear this voice saying, uh, "You know, I really think you might," and the voice is just—it's one of the top four voices voted by uk people in in like the 90s tom baker most recognizable most famous voices of course he was the doctor in the 70s the fourth doctor and it, uh, i knew it was coming because as i say this is 10 years old uh, and but i can only imagine watching this live not knowing that that was coming and thinking you've just had this great episode with three doctors and then suddenly Adam Noah, because Tom Baker is one of is the one Doctor who never really returned for any of the other specials. So we had like you know the five Doctors and other things where Doctors came back, but he never did. And he just has a really great cameo. And what was interesting was, of course, because he's a he's the fourth Doctor and Matt Smith is the eleventh. So you would expect that the eleventh Doctor would recognise himself, but of course he's older and. The curator recognizes the doctor, and there's a there's lots of timey wimey stuff. But the implication being that maybe when Matt Smith regenerates a few more times, he will generate into the character that Tom Baker was playing. It was it was only a couple of minutes, but it was one of the great moments of television for me. I thought it was I, I can't oversell this enough. 
you've got the sort of passion that you know like we're talking about star wars or you know it's, it's, this is good it's um it's, it it's taken me a long time to get here but it's um it's been worth the wait and i dare say i'll be bringing series eight in in a, in a few weeks maybe not in the next couple of weeks but yeah certainly in the next few weeks very good anything else on your list no don't no it's been busy with that and our joint watches should we jump over to one of those yeah would you like to start with should we go the umbrella academy season three let's go so it's been what how long since our, our last season of the umbrella academy about a year just just over maybe um season three kind of obviously picks up exactly sort of where season two left off so season two oh they came out in 2020 mm. so it's been two years since we've had uh, a new episode of the umbrella academy which is uh that's, that's quite a wait isn't it? it it really is um like we ha- we haven't seen like i actually had to go back and watch as, as i often do a, a recap to sort of bring myself up to mm. sort of moderate speed but it's like it's not just like when you're you're waiting a you know a few months or even a year we we um we reviewed the umbrella academy season one and two back in episode podcast 28 which is yeah ne- ne- yeah nearly 100 nearly 100 podcasts ago yeah so this um season three obviously great to get our um, umbrella academy cast and crew back together um if you remember from the end of season two uh where they have recently come from trying to save the world um and they've jumped back into what they think is the the current day timeline but it is actually sort of an alternate timeline where they also kind of exist in a slightly different form uh which do they call it the sparrow academy or the the sparrows Um, and they're the Umbrella Academy, and this is kind of this big tension. And a lot of the story is again trying to stop the stop the world kind of destroying itself and and right previous wrongs. And I think for people, this season had a lot of fun moments, um, particularly in that very first episode, like that that footloose scene is a, a fantastic piece of television. I think the Umbrella Academy characters are interesting but I think overall I didn't have as much fun with this season as I did with some of the others yeah I think that's a fair a fair comment I think overall it's a solid season um but my I guess I guess yeah if we're going straight into the criticisms on that I guess my two major criticisms are that somehow it never quite a hundred percent grabs me so like I can easily walk to the kitchen and you know we, we, we live open plan so it's not like i'm going to you know but i can easily go into the kitchen and make a drink without pressing pause whereas if i'm watching you know like when we're watching obi-wan I, nobody moves nothing happens and if, if i have to get out from my seat we're pressing pause and no one better press play before i get back you know it's and that's what i really want like that with better call saw like that with yellowstone it's and i never quite have that with umbrella academy um there's something because it ticks so many boxes for me. The second criticism for me, and you sort of touched on it in your recap, is around the saving the world. It's always all or nothing. You know, sometimes I just need some simple, less sort of um, end of the world type scenarios. I think I think you're right in the sense that for me, I think like I really love season one. Mm. I enjoyed season two, and it got I think it got better as it got closer to the end. I felt like season three was kind of the same thing all over again. And I found myself almost kind of frustrated with the story and the characters in the sense that 
and they go through this each season very much was the case in season two and season three they kind of arrive somewhere and they're all kind of so self-involved they all kind of dissipate and go off and do their own little things to eventually be kind of forced back together and it's kind of it's it's probably a bit rich saying this because this is sort of a a, a character driven show but i i find it frustrating that the characters kind of are constantly kind of bickering with one another and and not sort of coming together and they're kind of it's the same old kind of tensions but at the same time like there's some characters there that are just like a lot of fun and they have moments of fun but I don't think the story often keeps you connected or, or kind of hooked in because I kind of felt the same like I kind of felt myself with this season more often than not kind of picking up my phone and maybe scrolling social media or something at the same time or looking at the Instagram or whatever it may be and and that's always kind of a bit of a bad sign for yeah. me. Oh yeah, if you pick up your phone, you're done. It's that's it. It's it. part of me is like that's it. Let's turn it off. If if it's not grabbed us enough, and that's always a shame because there are, as you say, some really great characters. The characters for me that really I enjoy, and easily my three favourite characters would be um, five, Luther and Klaus. I find them to be the the funniest. I find that they've got the best stories, the most interesting um, story arc. I do love the the father, um, Colm, Colm Fiore as a father. He, he's great. He's got a great voice. He'll always be the doctor from for all mankind for me. But, the, you know, there's some of the other characters just don't quite, or they don't have the right story. So, like, the relationship between Diego and Lila, I kind of got tired with that after a while. I can't put my finger on it because, you know, David, Castaneda and, and Rita are, are both great in the roles, but I just don't think they're, they're given as good a line or as good a story. And then, you know, they throw in that they've got a kid and he was good in his role too, but again, I just didn't need it. Mm. It is, and it's it's kind of interesting saying this, right? Because this is, you can clearly tell a high production TV show, like, you know, the, the sets, the special effects, like they, they've, they've obviously put the, the time and energy into kind of building this universe. But there is, there's just, there's a missing story element that makes me care about these characters. And I feel like if they're going to treat their characters always in this way, I want I want to kind of want to be fighting for them. And it's it's just not there for me. And it kind of just left me with a bit of a taste of, I really hope season four goes in a very different direction because it's the thought of kind of going through the same old trope feels a little bit tired. Yeah, I um yeah, I've got a question for you actually about that. I shall save just before we wrap up, but I wanted to come back to what you touched on the opening the opening scene, the dance off, the foot the, the footloose dance off is surely one of the best T V season openers ever. I literally had no idea what was going on or how they were going to explain their explanation really did check out and I didn't see it coming. I thought that was great. And the other thing I really thought was good, what they did with Elliot Page's character, I, I just, I thought um, just quite simply transitioning them from, from, from Vanya to Victor, like how, like how they were previously Ellen and then sort of throwing in some really cool dialogue for each of their family members, characters, realization of, of what had happened to Vanya and, and then them expressing their feelings about how they had become Victor. I thought that was well done. I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think that that was sort of done well, wasn't it? And I, I like the way that 
you know, as as siblings in the TV show, they were kind of like whatever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, like kind of in a yeah, you you do you, and I, I think that's kind of cool, right? Because I think that's kind of the world we live in these days, right? Like you you do what makes you happy. Like you don't do it for other people's kind of happiness Correct. or what they're going to think, and I think that that kind of played out well. I also liked the you know for all the negatives that we talk, I do I do love the banter between the family. So like what you just said about how they just give throw of whatever at each other it's just it's it's simple i also like the banter between the two families so the umbrella and the sparrow academy when i first saw the the sparrow academy at the start of episode one as good as the dance-off was i was a bit concerned i thought oh no the whole focus is going to be about them and who's going to win that and it turned out to not be that which was a which was a good thing but uh yeah when i first saw i thought i just I just don't have time for all these new characters, Dan. It's like The Walking Dead all over again. I also appreciated their explanation of time travel, and particularly kind of they really took time to explain that the grandfather paradox yeah. and and how the two universes kind of existed. And like I appreciate when a show almost kind of breaks the fourth wall in that sense of sort of making sure the audience really understands what's going on. And I think to your earlier point, I think for me, like. I think my favorite characters probably are like Diego five um, and Klaus. And I think I just like five is so good. Mm. And I think they've just got the, the casting and the, uh, the dialogue so down pat and, and you fully believe that five is actually a, a 50 plus year yeah. old man and, and that child's body. And it just, everything about it works. And I just love how five is such a badass. Like it, it's so good. I, I feel like I want more of that. And kind of, and though I think the Sparrow Academy brought another element, like I'm kind of here for the Umbrella Academy, and I, I'm like you, I was kind of like, ah, oh, like do, do we want yeah. that? But yeah, like I, I feel like I've come in real sort of negative, and I'm giving the show a, a really hard time. Like I think like overall is good. I guess I just kind of wanted more because it's a bit of an uncut gem in the sense that great cast, mostly great dialogue as I say, great budget. I just feel like the story just needs a bit more of a hook. Yeah, there's there's some sort of a hook there today. It's, there's some sort of, um, there's something not quite there. I don't know what it is, but, um, and look, going back to what you said about, you know, the, the fourth season, which we know is coming, and, you know, anyone who doesn't want to know too much, I guess, spoilers coming up in 10 seconds, so maybe hit the fast forward button, but, Dan, I'm curious about your opinion of who we who we won't see next season, and you know, or you know, or who we might, even though the indication currently is that we might not see them. Did you like? And also, did you think that Klaus and Luther were being written out when they had their death scenes, or were you not buying any of it? I didn't. I wasn't buying right. any of it. I, I feel like they're two they're two main character, and I think you know. A show like this, no one's ever really dead. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's always a way to to bring someone back. So, uh, the the stakes never feel that high. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious as to, yeah, I like the idea of them all becoming, what's the word? Not mortal. They've lost their powers. I like. That. Although I start thinking, where will we go with season four? And then that little post credit scene, um, yeah, it makes you sort of wonder where it might go. But um. See, I instantly kind of became afraid with that sort of uh, the, the end of the season in the post-credit where, so they arrive back and they instantly kind of, 
they're frustrated they've lost their powers and they all kind of disperse and off they go and do their own thing because it feels like here we go again we're probably five to be honest is going to have to be the one who's going to have to go around get them all back to together convince them not to be so selfish and think about how they're going to solve the latest problem i wonder whether we need to see some scaled down uh catastrophes because i think like you said like we've had quite a bit of world ending stuff like it would be good to kind of see some general um smaller scale threats that the umbrella academy has yes to deal with. that's right just just the little things the little side missions some of the greatest episodes of better call Saul, for example was where they were just trying to solve a little thing or just get revenge on someone for something so inconsequential and it made for some of the best television ever doesn't have to be the end of the world mm. i think too because another one of the characters you know like ben was always kind of this interesting character because in the first two seasons he was a ghost and having been as a real jerk in season three again kind of didn't leave a a great sort of feeling i don't think and it's it, it's a shame because it, it kind of turned a, a lovable character into a real dislike yeah a really good shame yeah it was it was it was a real shame how he his energy with the rest of them just wasn't what i wanted it to be at all but um yeah i it's still solid i will still be there for season four i think if you'd like something if you, like the closest thing i can think of will be something like watchman or um i i don't know or comic book type superhero tv series i think it's probably worth checking out for you i'll tell you in um in our, in our house ball um we were talking about alison hargraves who's got the i heard a rumor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. power and i was saying to to samara this is, this is the worst superpower ever and she's like no it's so great <laughs> and then i was like i bet you were like one of those kids like watching captain planet who thought the heart was a great power as well like i always thought that was so lame like i've got fire i've got water i've got earth and then some poor kids got heart like and she was all about it she thought the heart was a great power as there well there you go opposites attract indeed indeed i think you're right though um for all the bagging that i'm doing of it it's it is a good quality show i am sure there's many fans out there like it's overall this is a a pretty well rated show on imdb looking at um season three like most episodes are sort of scoring in the in the sevens high sevens for some of them so which i think is pretty good and i i do wonder whether maybe just coming off the highs of shows like Stranger Things, I'm maybe just judging it a little bit more harshly than I normally would. Yeah. Good good assessment. And talking of talking of uh, universes like this, um, similar sort of energy and vibe, but maybe a step up, uh, the finale of season four of Stranger Things then. Yeah, well, this is a, another ride, isn't it? So we had the only two episodes in season four, part two. Um, and interesting, I thought, so at our very final episode, two and a half mm. hours, which was a, a, a mega effort. I tell you the one thing that I first thought going into season four, part two, I'm unsure of why they made the split where they made the split yeah. still in these episodes. Like I thought episode eight um, called Papa could have like they could have just split it there and gave us one final episode a few weeks later or they should have split it you know a a little bit further back it just felt like a a very strange place to end it and i thought the first episode um so episode eight i thought it was good um it kind of got everyone back together set up all the big set pieces for our, our final episode 
I've heard a few people that were unhappy with that final episode, but I had a great time. I, I really enjoyed the show for what it is. I've definitely got some questions. I've got some hopes and aspirations for season five, but overall, I think season four has been pretty fantastic. Yeah, oh, I'm exactly the same. Yeah, I've uh, episode nine felt like it. We were doing a movie of the week in some ways. It went on so long. It was so weird watching an episode of Stranger Things with no break in it for so long. It, you know, it really was a TV movie, and you know, I have to agree with you again. the The split was weird, and eight felt like an oddity because that was also a long episode. You know, that was an hour twenty four, but a lot of this season four were long episodes. Why they decided to go there, who knows? I think if you're coming into it later and you just get to watch it in one go, it's not it's not going to affect you in the same way it has us because. Uh, yeah, and obviously we'll be talking spoilers, but um, one of the things you and I picked up on with season four, part one, was how Eleven was a side character. You know, it was really the story was driving in other directions with some of the other characters, which was great. But I really love the way we also had the focus on Eleven uh, in in these last two, particularly the finale coming back in and being so, so important as she's always been right from the, the, the very first season. I almost kind of liked as well that we kind of got rid of some of the extra characters that like like her, her the person she refers to as Papa, one of the the doctors. Again, like it just kind of it was good to kind of be like, let's actually focus on getting everyone back together. And I'll tell you my most shooketh moment, Paul, is we didn't really get everyone back together until the final sort of like ten, fifteen minutes of the show. I honestly thought by ch- um chapter nine episode nine of season four we would have all the gang would be all working together in the same room and it was kind of it was so weird that they kind of had to have that thing where actually they were all kind of helping solve the problem but they didn't really know what each other was doing sort of from separate states and yeah it was was interesting but it was it still kind of worked yeah no it did and uh i was having not quite the same level of anxiety but like when I was waiting for Qui-Gon Jinn to show up in Obi-Wan, I was like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Is it gonna... like, it, it did take a time. You do want to see them all back together again. And it does make for a really good emotional, um, you know, that, that moment. The other thing I thought was good, and I felt that it had to do this, you know, I felt like we needed to lose some characters. And so I, I don't feel the same way as you about uh, Matt and Brenner, um, you know, Matthew Modine, the papa. I, I thought he's been so good since episode one of se- season one. I think his departure was a surprise but i also think it was good i think we needed to have some people go we needed to have some consequence some some risks some element of danger um because if they'd all made it home if they were all safe then for me it would take away some of the tension and going into season five which is likely a final season i want to you know i want to believe that the writers are willing to take out anyone because that's when tv's at its best for me I'll tell you as well, um, some characters actually grew on me in this sort of final part of the season too, and I think an example of that for me is Eddie. So I didn't really strongly resonate with Eddie from the Hellfire Club in the, in the first half of the yeah. season. Look, he, I appreciated the, the type of character he was, but he just kind of felt too old for me and, and didn't really fit in. But by the end of season four, I was Team Eddie. Yeah. Like, this, this guy's great. Like, I just, I loved his whole sort of stick. I, I love that he's, you know playing guitar and the up, upside down. It was it all just really worked. 
on the flip side, I really missed, like, I really enjoy the relationship between Dustin and Steve. Yep. And I felt like I, I didn't like that actually that relationship got shifted to, to Dustin and Eddie. I would have, I would have far sort of, I, I just wanted more, more Dustin and Steve. Like, they're two of my favorite people in the show. When, when they kind of come together, like magic happens. But they really almost kind of steered away from it. This season. yeah, and they did. They did. And uh, firstly, on Eddie um, playing guitar was incredible. Um, him acknowledging himself that you know he's finally going to graduate. You know, maybe a little bit later than some of them to acknowledge his age was good. Um, yeah, I he was never part of the the core for me, and yet seeing him go was upsetting. And that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. It's kind of like you you need that. You know, you need to you need to have a bit of grief and lose people like that to really truly emotionally connect to it. And I, I have to be honest, I'm glad with the I say this nicely, the characters that they've chosen um, feel like they're they're good good ones. But um, I feel like there'll be more to come in season five. Like I, I wouldn't have accepted Eleven or Dusty or the dude with the flamethrower who's i can't never think of his name with the beard and the he he i would watch a spin-off about his character i just find him absolutely fascinating murray, murray yes murray Bellman. yeah yeah it's it's interesting isn't it like i also um i enjoyed learning more about the upside down i enjoyed learning more about Vickner. i felt the emotional moments with max particularly as you know things started to happen to it, it was like no like because even though max i guess is a a later addition to the Stranger Things family, instantly it sort of become one of the the great characters in that show. Yeah, oh no, instantly. And and I think as they're showing more and more flashbacks, you realise how much you um have you know connected with her and how much of a, a journey you've gone on with her. I for some reason, and I can say it now it's happened, I for some reason thought we were gonna have Barb show up. I don't know if I saw some on social media. People were talking about, oh, you know, she's been seen near the set, or whatever. And I just thought, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna give us a bad moment, but it, it wasn't to be. I think I might have seen something about a bad moment as well, and it's a, it's a shame we didn't get it because I think that would have been that would yeah. have been great. But um, it would have been yeah, there probably would have been a way that incorporated her into the upside down, but I guess it would also raise more questions. I, another thing I think which is quite good because it was sort of in my mind I was like how is this going to be explained to the you know because it's always I think for me the interesting thing about the Stranger Things universe these kids have disappeared for what it feels like days on yeah. end these crises <laughs> happening all around town the parents are kind of oblivious almost and it's a, sort of a, a, a comical moment in itself and I kind of like that now the Stranger Things or the Upside Down has sort of penetrated like you know the normal everyday life and it's kind of like and all these sort of missing kids and um people that are that sort of die in the process are kind of being explained in a way that the the whole community can rally around yeah that's right i mean the fact um and the earthquake you know that's that's a very different type of earthquake as well but people know that stuff's going on in in hawkins and um yeah when the when the parents are reunited so like when karen wheeler is is reunited you know and she's real angry with, with mike but there's kind of like a there's an unspoken oh it's pretty normal to expect you to go missing for a week and then just show up because there's weird stuff going on in this town um i thought there was a lot of funny writing in this finale i think the one piece of advice i give to anyone watching season four in one go is 
don't start episode nine unless you're committed to watch it to the end. It's not like you can just watch one episode. You need to maybe give that its own night of viewing because it it runs really well as one long thing. I thought it was very clever. It flowed, you know, much more straightforward than the previous season. And this, you know, throughout this season, it's been like that. I thought um, even some of the side characters who we touched on in the part one review, like the the pizza guy, I thought. They they used him in just sparing the amounts and it made sense. Like when the two pizza guys got talking to each other, it was like a real Bill and Ted vibe, just watching them sort of talk to each other. It was well done all round. I think too, and I sort of found myself with the uh that the basketball captain who was kind of hunting oh. down Lucas. In the first part of the season, I I kinda of found that sort of a bit frustrating and I'm like, oh. like it's annoying that we've had to go to this level. And I was kind of it was good to see him actually, you know, meet his sort of um, an untimely sort of fate because it was kind of frustrating, but it kind of, I think they worked it all in. Like, because I, I felt like there was lots of kind of like loose threads, but they, I think they did a pretty good job of tidying Yeah, up. no, I think you're right. And I think he, kudos to the actor because he, I think everyone just felt the same way about him and was just like, I don't like you and I don't want you in this show. And so the manner of his death was very satisfying because it was almost incidental how it happened and when he sort of splits in two it's like everyone's like yeah it was a really a really great yeah. moment to celebrate a young boy's death isn't that a terrible thing to say it's it's terrible to say out yeah. loud isn't it meanwhile paul we've got will Byers still carrying around this picture despite all the things that have happened to them he's still got this picture and he finally gets to give it to to mike um but I kind of, I really kind of felt for Will in these sort of final two episodes. Like, we're, you know, like obviously he's upset because he's got a terrible haircut. <laughs> yes. But aside from that, like, is he getting worse for those haircuts? Are the not worst. Getting better. But hey, generally, just I, I, even though they haven't really sort of come out and truly said one way or another what he's he's upset about. Is it because he also loves Eleven? Is it because he loves Mike? Like, is it because of just like the way he's feeling? But it, it didn't really matter because I kind of just felt for him as a, as a person that he was kind of just going through this tough emotional time. He kind of reconnected with his brother and he was kind of just misunderstood and kind of like not seen by his friends. And it kind of, it, it worked on a, a bit of a deeper level. Yeah, no, you're right. It did. And that's some of the real subtlety of the writing throughout this, this season has been really good. And like you say, <laughs> Will walks into the room, Mike walks into the room with his haircut. He's like, I'll see your haircut, Mike, and raise you. Mine's, it's just by far the worst. I mean, that's even, you know, I mean, Dustin, Dusty for me is just a terrific character. And and I would love to have had a bit more of those guys. So if you think back to season one, I would love to love a bit more. I really hope if season five can go in any direction, it brings back the core, core group together and doesn't have them split. I can see why they've split them to keep each of the separate stories interesting by having a main character in those ways. But those guys together in the brief moments that we had at the end, that's that's the Kirk Spot McCoy. You can't split them. I think yeah, I think so too. And I, I wonder whether you know, do they even have a good time filming this, right? Because I like ninety percent of these scenes actually weren't together as a group. Like they were in the in these sort of smaller breakout yeah, groups. Yeah, I think that's why I really enjoyed Winona Ryder and David Harbour because their scenes together um yeah that that felt like a natural pairing it was a really interesting story throughout so yeah i think if nothing else like this has actually really kind of inspired me to want to go back and watch all the stranger things again particularly before season five um it's 
it's such a great show, such a great soundtrack, such a great kind of 80s vibe. I'm all about it. I'm here for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I feel like this is one of the shows that would definitely be a binge binge watch. I think it would, I think it would be interesting to do that as well, given how much we see them age. Because when we have the flashbacks, it's so sort of um, apparent. But uh, I really think if you haven't watched the show, watching it back to back once season five is done would be a really fascinating way to watch this show for a first time. Indeed, indeed, and I, I do think you're right about that sort of that final episode. So when we watched it, we actually watched it over two nights so that we could sort of separate the episodes. We didn't want to overwhelm ourselves, and I think watching that final episode is almost kind of like a a one off movie yeah. is is a good yeah, way to go for sure. So um, that is Stranger Things available to watch on Netflix, and the ratings on this show. Are real high so it's not just us that are having a good time it seems everyone is really enjoying it dan should we um should we move over to our movie of the week we shall indeed so each week paul and i take turns choosing a different movie of the week we announce that in our discord channel so if you'd like to find out what that is before we discuss it here on the podcast then you should probably come on over and join that discord channel but this week, Paul, we are looking at the 2022 movie spiderhead yes yeah, so in the near future, convicts are offered the chance to volunteer as medical subjects to shorten their sentence. And one such, such subject for a new job capable of generating feelings of love begins questioning the reality of his emotions. This is, uh, this is starring Chris Hemsworth. This is the director of Top Gun Maverick. That's two big draw cards. And that plot... Straight away, I was interested when you present when you sent through the two choices for movie of the week this week. As soon as I saw the plot for this one, I was like, "Oh yeah, sign me up, I'm in." You've also got Miles Teller, who stars in uh, Top Gun Maverick, so it's sort of a, it's a it's a triple threat of things going on in there. Um, I think Paul, I was kind of intrigued by this movie when it first came out on Netflix, for all of the reasons that that you just mentioned. I thought. I really enjoy kind of seeing Chris Hemsworth in, in different roles outside of that sort of that Marvel universe. And I think this movie, for me, started in the first 30 minutes of, wow, this is really different and really interesting. I then ultimately feel like it kind of fell flat on its face and kind of didn't go anywhere exciting for the remainder of the movie. Yeah, it's um, I have not come out of a movie of the week like this in a long time where I equal parts loved so much and equally had parts and issues that bugged the hell out of me so much. And, you know, it's interesting you saw saying, seeing Chris Hemsworth outside the Marvel course for me, I, I don't really associate him because I, I haven't watched much of that. So I, I actually mostly think of him as always as, as George Kirk, his role in Star Trek, the father of James T. Kirk. And I can't wait to see him back in the new movie as well. But in this role, um, I thought he was good, but I would say that with the exception of him and um, Tess Habrich, um, who I remember mostly from Alien Covenant, I'm not convinced by the rest of the cast. And, and you saying, oh, Miles Teller's in Maverick. I haven't seen Maverick. So I was like, I don't know that I was that convinced by the rest of the cast, but there's a, there's a whole number of different issues going on here that brought this one brought it down quite a lot then 
Yeah, it's there's not many movies of the week where I'm like, I don't know if I want to finish this. And obviously, I, I finished it for the podcast, for the listeners. But it's, I I think that the concept and the premise of the show, that they're basically doing these tests on prisoners who are kind of volunteering to be a part of this program and having kind of experiments to test if they sort of adjust these different kind of almost like persona attributes on them. How do they act and behave? Was interesting, as I say, for the first 30 minutes and then after that it just it just didn't it didn't feel interesting or different and kind of the the shock factor was gone and it kind of just went went downhill into almost a bit of a uh lo-fi science fiction movie and even that feels offensive to lo-fi science fiction movies so I'm not quite sure what it is it just I just don't think the story or the cast, as you say, or the acting kind of stood up to what it was trying to do. But I think they, they had a concept, they just didn't land it. So interesting that you put it like that, because when Diana and I watched it, we came out with a very similar feeling. And I even said, in reference to your point, I even said, it's like a low-budget movie, but you forgive those. And so I made, I, I started thinking about a couple of movies like um, The Last Astronaut um, and Infinity Chamber, um, these movies that have low budget and yet have a similar sort of, but this is, you know, the director of a billion dollar movie. This is Chris Hemsworth, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. And so you just expect so much more. And I would say the first hour I was okay. I wouldn't say 30 minutes. I think maybe 40, at least 45 to an hour. It really had a poor finish and it would, it just gone too far. And some of the things that were supposed to be shocking and like, oh, wow, a big reveal. Now he knows was like, so what if he's labeled these drugs off of a bingo card where stars, you know, maybe he's just using that as a, as a code thing. I, I don't know. There was just so many things about it. It was just like that doesn't check out as to why the music's suddenly getting all tense when there's no tension. Yeah. I, it, it, it. I don't know what else there is to say about this film, apart from I feel like clearly Netflix is, is like I imagine people got paid very well to be on this film. Um, it's obviously like it's been promoted relatively heavy by Netflix. It's often in sort of the top ten. But I this this wouldn't be a movie I'd probably watch again. No. Um it's it just it just wasn't fun and I think you're right, the the, the shock factor I think though initially was kind of like, you know, a bit of a raised eyebrow. I I think they needed to really either lean really heavily into that concept and go really crazy with it, but it, they, they just did none of those things. This is a this is a one gun for me, Paul. One gun, yeah. I I, I think if uh, I, I I'm going to go one and a half gun, just because I still appreciate that plot. And yeah, I would say anyone who's listened to all of our podcasts, if you remember, you know the review of. The last astronaut, or astronaut, the final push of um, of Infinity Chamber. Go watch those movies because your expectations will be tempered right from the start, and you won't leave feeling a little disappointed because that's how we ended up feeling with this one. Mm. Unfortunately, a pass. But if you do want to check that out, that is uh, available on Netflix. I imagine all around the world. Indeed, uh, Dan, pick of the week for you. Of all the stuff, what what's your pick? Easily would have to be Stranger Things for me this week, without a doubt. 
just a fantastic season. I had a fantastic time. Um, I love the characters. I love the storytelling. I love the music. It's it's a good vibe. Yeah, really, really, really strong. My pick of the week is Doctor Who Series 7. It was that good for me. And and I'm really pleased that we've got a strong contender to go alongside it, like Stranger Things, to sort of give my give my context of how well I how, I, how well I rated it because it's always interesting when we do a joint review it's a, it's a lot richer our understanding but a singular review that mine was honestly so good so good and it's um yeah it's it's so good to finally be studying a bit of Capaldi's watch so um yeah Doctor Who's series 7 is my pick of the week Dan I'm going to throw back to you for news Alright, so again, not a big news week, but there's a, a few sort of categories of things. So firstly, just while we're talking about Stranger Things, so Stranger Things is the first English Eng- English language Netflix series to surpass a billion hours of watch time. A billion. That's that amazing. is a lot. Like a real lot. <laughs> that's almost as much sort of um, half, half measures content that sort of exists out there. So good, good work. Um, the, the Duffer Brothers have already started talking about season five, and they're already sort of talking that it's not going to be anywhere near the runtime of season four, particularly in the sense that they felt like they had a lot of um, loose ends to kind of t- um, tidy up. They had a lot of sort of scene setting. They had a lot of sort of character building off the upside down, and they feel like they've done that now. So they're hoping that season five um, should hopefully come to us much quicker. And it will be a much more sort of standard length, which is which is interesting. We'll see. Uh, another bit of uh, Stranger Things interesting trivia, just to sort of keep in your your back pocket. So you may remember Paul the scene um, in the Russian Gulag prison where um, Hopper picks up the mm-hmm. sword and he's fighting the demigorgon. That sword is the same one that was used in the Conan the Barbarian movie by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get out of here! Don't. Don't try and Terminator Fast and the Furious this to me. Surely not. Look, according to according to my sources, that is a hundred percent the truth. Which I which I think is awesome. Like that sword, I felt like kind of came out yeah, of nowhere. Did. But I love I love the fact that this is another classic eighties movie and to sort of bring this tie in. I, I yeah. really I want to believe that it's. True. I want to believe. Um, the Duffer brothers are also sort of looking at who they're going to hand off the Stranger Things baton to. So there may be um, a bit of a, a Stranger Things spin-off in the works in the near future, which will be interesting. Um, I feel like the Duffer brothers have done such an amazing job of the sort of 80s universe. I would hate to see it kind of watered down or kind of not sort of living up to the, the same sort of quality that we, we've come to expect. But at the same time, we've got to give other people new opportunities. So I think because Stranger Things is so successful, we're no doubt going to see more of that universe mm. in the mm. future. Uh, what else have we got here? So uh, Star Wars Andor, which is sort of our, our next main TV show coming to Disney+. Plus. So we know that it's going to be 24 episodes, which I think is mm. awesome. Season one is going to take place over a year. And the second season is going to take place over a four-year time period, leading all the way up to Rogue One. Colour me excited, Paul. I'm hyped. Really? I mean, I'd love them to take it right up to the point where we meet Cassian. That would be fantastic. 24 episodes is a good number. Indeed, indeed. And so obviously, you know, we've we've got a good good time span to tell some stories. And I, I like that already. They're like, look, it's two seasons. This is the time period. So 
hopefully um, we're going to get some good stuff out of this one. Um, speaking of the Marvel Universe, um, there is some interesting sort of talk online potentially uh, about the the Russo brothers who directed um, the MCU's Endgame kind of signaling a bit of an interest in an MCU X-Men reboot. Now, I think the, so X-Men, awesome. The Russo brothers, incredible. Let them have it. But this is, this will be the X-Men that we want in the MCU. I, I really hope this is one of those things that, that comes to be. They do sort of mention that it might not be the, quite the right time for the X-Men reboot because there is still quite a bit of sort of moving pieces happening in the MCU. But I think when the time is right, I think we've, Joe and Anthony Russo are our directors that we want. And speaking of the X-Men, it's also sort of heavily rumoured that from the Kingsman, Teron Egerton um, is interested in playing Wolverine and has apparently met with Marvel to discuss. So another interesting kind of role. Are the stars aligning? I think they might be Paul. We'll find out more in the coming, I imagine, years whether this sort of mm. X-Men um, movie Wolverine story comes to life. But that is me. Anything at your end? Exciting hearing that X-Men stuff and also scary because despite some of the, the things that went wrong with X-Men The Last Stand, by and large, it's a, it's a little franchise I enjoy, so I hope they take good care of it, but couldn't be in better hands from you know what everyone has to say about the Rousseau brothers. So um, not too much more from me, Dan. Most of the things I had, already here but the two things i just was going to mention uh one of the shows that we reviewed some time ago your honor uh brian cranston show i can't remember what you thought no dan but i know i quite enjoyed that overall um season two is on its way and it will be a final season as well so i wasn't sure if there was actually going to be a second season but it is it's always going to be a bit of a bonus to see cranston back on screen so that could be a joint watch for us, Dan. That is interesting, isn't it? Because I did enjoy um, Your Honor. I would have, if you had sort of a gun to my head, I would have said to you that was a, a limited mm. series or a yeah. mini series. I would not have expected a season two. So interesting, but definitely a, a joint watch coming our way, I Indeed. guess. Indeed. And then the last thing I had, and this one's, I don't know if it's a worry, but it's certainly interesting because it means what else might he be thinking of doing james cameron has said that he might pass the baton on to another director after avatar 3 um and so this this is interesting because of course we've we've got the the second one coming out in december this year and then the third one which was shot back to back will be um in 2024 and he's going to pass the baton on i guess it's a recognition maybe of his age or does he have another project on the go because of course he's got the rights to Terminator back who knows it's interesting eh? like I that's probably a bit offensive I feel like I've just kind of lost interest in James Cameron like, <laughs> I feel like I don't feel like I'm not interested in the Avatar movies um, I would be interested in a, a another Terminator movie but like I for some reason I just feel like he's one of those directors who's often in the media, but we don't see a lot of stuff from, you yep. know what I mean? Like, But we know he's done some amazing, he's got an amazing portfolio. I don't know why I'm being so hard on him. I'm, I guess I'm just sick of hearing about Avatar. Remember this episode, guys, episode 124, when we get to reviewing Avatar 2 and Dan's here going, this is amazing. <laughs> we'll see. 
it's not coming from we'll me. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, that's that's all I've got, Dan. Um, over in our mailbag. So after all the excitement of last week with the cast and crew of Responder listening to our review. At the time of recording, Dan, I have nothing this week um, on social media from any uh, castle crew from anything that compares to that. But I do have two things to throw at you. Um, here's an interesting one regarding the Orville from Seth MacFarlane. Um, our old pal, Sir Bruce Gray of Scotland, got in contact with us this week um, saying, I'm not sure where you are in relation to watching the Orville, but I'm going to make a bold claim and say that season three so far is the best science fiction on television not only at the moment but all year bar none that is a that is a big claim big call, it's a Bruce. big call that is a i am i don't really know anything about the orville all i know paul is friend of the show um host a podcast about yep. it um i feel like it's got seth MacFarlane from family guy in it and i don't know uh, is this a is this a, a comedy? Is it actual a proper Star Trek show? Like, what is <laughs> proper this? Star Trek show. It is. It is indeed an absolute comedy, written and starring Seth MacFarlane, and basically is uh, something something of a, a parody of Star Trek. And so, think Star Trek but comedy. I am midway through watching uh, season one, so I've I've got a bit of a way to go. But what? Bruce has said there has said there's really wet the appetite because uh, I'm not at season three yet, obviously. So, so yeah, we'll have to see. Intrigued, intrigued. Um, our review of 1883. Um, Bab from the Hawks Bay, she loved our review and uh, commented uh, that 1883 was great, raw, and emotional, an insight into how tough life was back then. Uh, definitely agree. Appreciate the comment. There's you know, there's a lot of Yellowstone fans on Instagram, Dan. Our, when you go into insights, and this is a bit geeky, but when you go into the insights of your social media, you, our six most liked posts since we've started posting anything on social media, three of them are Yellowstone posts, including last week's post for 1883, which sits at number six. It just, it just people just love Yellowstone and that whole arena. Incredible. Good. It's a good show it to is. Um, And then finally, last week's uh, peak performance. Um, what have we got here? So Jason from Pottery Row. Oh, it was Jeremy Irons. Sorry, I should also mention who it was. So Jeremy Irons. And we had Jason from Pottery Row went with Red Sparrow, uh, which is a movie I never actually got around to seeing. And It's a good movie. Okay. Okay. Uh, Paddy, Time Traveling Tink. Uh, he came in with a good 3-2-1 this week. Uh, number three, The Mission. Um, number two, Die Hard with a Vengeance. And number one was, like me, Lion King. And he also said a fun fact. Uh, Jeremy Owens damaged his voice um, doing the song and had to be replaced for the final verse by another actor. Never knew that. Hmm. So uh, there we go. I actually also have some some mail, Paul, from um, Mr. Paddy Fox, who oh. he's contacted me direct. You know, he's he's going outside of normal channels, but that's all that's right. That's not permitted. That's we'll, not much we'll, it, but we'll let it go. We'll allow it. And he said to me, "I hear you're going down a, a bit of a western kick at the moment," and he recommended a movie called Silverado um, for me to watch mm. as a, a a good western. I haven't seen Silverado, but I subsequently went on a bit of a hunt and. 
it's not available on any platform currently in New Zealand, which is a yeah, that shame. that definitely uh, checks out. I've had um, other people recommending stuff, and I'm always like looking at it, thinking, oh, I wonder when we're going to get that in New Zealand. Um, uh, you know, our friend Sador is always checking stuff our way, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll add that to list. And he just he just literally did it this week with um, he recommended the resort, um, which is um, on Peacock TV, and it's it's not here but the the trailer for it looks fascinating but um uh, he says it's where yellowstone airs in the states so who knows we may get it here on the arnold prime in, in new zealand but yeah guess we'll have to wait and see on those but always love to hear the suggestions that is the mailbag though this week then awesome shall we jump on into our peak performance yes indeed so like i'm moving the week each week down i take it in turns to choose someone from the movie TV universe and look back at their career and try and pick out what we think is their best performance, their best role. This week, Dan, we're going with Anne Hathaway. We are indeed. So this week, for my honourable mention, I'm actually going to go with the uh, the 2006 classic, The Devil Wears Prada. And so I think it's just a, a great uh, performance by Anne Hathaway um, as the 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 young up and comer dealing with the the very sort of uh, troublesome uh, Meryl Streep and I think just a a, a great sort of movie uh, it, it's a classic it it stands the test of time it, it's still a good watch today but my actual peak performance for Anne Hathaway is I can't go past the 2012 The Dark Knight Rises for Catwoman so I think for me. Like I, I think she did a, a fantastic job stepping into this role, stepping into the the role of Catwoman is a very big ask. We've, we've had some amazing Catwoman mm. in our time, and we've had some real flops. And it's one of those I think characters and roles that can really sort of turn fans off. And I think when you've got such a, a special movie trilogy like the the Nolan Batman universe, and for her to sort of step into this and and leave her mark on it is, is something special. So for me. Peak performance, The Dark Knight Rises. Great choices. Devil Wears Prada, great movie. Anne Hathaway, Emily Blunt, Meryl Streep, Stanley Tucci. I mean, it's a it's a real fun watch. I haven't seen it in a long time. It, it warrants a rewatch itself. Um, my honourable mention, Dan, just uh, following you, also 2012's The Dark Knight Rises. And like you, just really just, you know, it's such a hard role to come into. And I think coming into this is always a huge challenge for anyone because a trying to follow the dark knight possibly the greatest batman movie of all time that's a different conversation for a different time uh, and b trying to for me i was going to say trying to follow michelle pfeiffer in you know in that iconic role but of course dare i say it, we also had another movie in between but um that's the one i always think of and i just thought she was great in it i thought she she took the role made it her own she was confident about it she created um a character you know i think of her as selena more than catwoman in in this in this movie in that respect i guess and also her big reveal at the end um for anyone who hasn't seen the movie so yeah that was my honorable mention but my um my peak performance was just Two years later, and that was 2014's Interstellar. And the thing is, for me, is 
people, I, I think people associate this movie, and, and rightly so, with Matthew McConaughey, with, with Jessica Chastain. But actually, second billing in the credits for this movie is Anne Hathaway. And I think she sort of flies under the radar a bit in this one, in her role as Brand. Um, and I really enjoy her role in it. I think opposite um, Cooper, Matthew McConaughey's character in the in the cockpit, holding him to account and then to be sort of proven right when they go out to the planets and she finds the one which is, is, is habitable and sort of sets up the camp there. I could talk about this movie a lot. Um, I've seen it quite a few times. It, it sits, as, as per our website, Dan, it sits in my top 10 movies of all time. And it's not a movie that would shift out of that top 10 list anytime soon. I really enjoy it. My daughter's massive into, you know, like Doctor Who, Star Trek. She's into planets and stars. I cannot wait till she's old enough to watch this. Um, great movie, great performance. Um, and yeah, despite a few contenders for honorable mention, this was always going to be my peak performance for Anne Hathaway. It's funny. Um, Interstellar is one of those movies I feel like I need to watch again. I've only ever seen it once for some reason, and it, it feels like a movie that needs far more attention. Oh, yeah. It feels like a, a movie of the week waiting to happen for us. It's it's an emotional watch. It's a long movie. You know, it's just shy of three hours, but everything comes together. Christopher Nolan, the music, the cast, the story, the effects. It's a beautiful piece of art. It truly is. Three hours, Paul, that's nothing for a fan of Stranger Things. You know, that's just like one episode. Correct. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures Podcast. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening in this week. Uh, let us know your peak performance around Hathaway. Get in touch with us. What did you think of Spiderhead? Did you disagree with what Dan and I thought about Stranger Things? Um, Umbrella Academy. Maybe you've got a different view. Um, and maybe you can respond to Bruce about the Orville. Let us know. Go follow us on our social media. Indeed. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Linda Tavner. We couldn't do it without you. If you, too, would like to become a Patreon producer of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios. (laughs) 